Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Intuitive Homeopathy Podcast. Today, I have with me Elena Pollard, who is a homeopath with a history of being an autism researcher. And she's been on an incredible journey that we are going to talk about today. And without further ado, Elena, if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more. Hi, Angelica. It is so wonderful to be here talking with you again and just kind of sharing some of um, my journey as far as over 20 years working in the autism field and how I kind of came to homeopathy through my own son's journey as well. So um, I've basically had a a 20-year I've had a 20-year career in autism, and I started as a clinician first and then moved to um, autism research. So I've worked a lot in biomedical research where we look at not only nutritional deficiencies in children with autism and how to correct them, but we also are the group that is working on the uh, microbiota transfer therapy, which is also known as fecal microbiota transplants. And we have just seen some unbelievable um, results when we actually work to find out what are the biological causes of autism and how do we fix those through nutrition, through healing the gut. And so um, for our research, especially with the fecal microbiota transfer, um, what was really amazing about it is that once the treatment was stopped, we followed participants for up to two years afterwards. And what we found are the um, effects from the transfers actually continue and grow exponentially as time goes on for most of the participants. So we interviewed people at the very end of treatment to see um, what were the changes in GI symptoms, what were the changes in autism-related symptoms, and then two years later looked again. And what we saw are these huge jumps in the percentages of improvements at two years versus at the very end of treatment. And what that essentially tells us is that when we heal the gut, we see changes in autism-related symptoms, which is really what this type of treatment targets. And how did this medical research in autism segue into homeopathy? (laughs) Well, it really, it was my son that brought me to homeopathy. And, you know, they say everything happens for a reason. And my son had a vaccine injury at three and a half years old. Um, Being I work in the autism field, we were not going to do any vaccines at all because I had heard all the horror stories. But we decided at three and a half for various reasons just to do the DTaP with him. And I figured, you know, three and a half, hadn't had many others at all. Um, He should be able to handle this. And he got one DTaP and within nine days started showing signs of autism. So he was sound sensitive. He was doing rituals. He was cleaning all his toys. He stopped doing imaginative play and started lining everything up. And so I spent the next two years going to all different types of doctors and really no one was able to make any lasting improvements in his health. And that's when I started Googling and praying, and I found a woman um, that did homeopathic vaccine detox. And I said, what is this, you know? And after talking with her and hiring her, she worked to um, detox out the DTaP over the course of a year, and he was improved by about 90%. So within that year, I was actually studying herbal medicine to become an herbalist at the time. You know, I was watching her um, take any of our family's ailments and say, no, we'll use homeopathy. So that's when I just kind of changed gears and said, this is what I want to study. And to me, there just was nothing else. Um, So 
to watch something uh, so small be that powerful was just so enticing to me. And I changed and have been studying homeopathy ever since. Let's talk about homeopathy and medical science. How is it that as a medical researcher, you can see homeopathy work so well? Do you feel like at some point science will be able to verify something like homeopathy? Oh, definitely. And I think there's some really, you know, I'm always looking into the homeopathic research and we really do have some really solid research that is being done Um, now, especially there's, you know, over 1200 research studies that are being conducted and more every day on homeopathy. And before they really had a difficult time understanding how it worked. But now that we have the ability to really look at things on a quantum level, they're starting to understand how different remedies are affecting cells. So there's a really unique um, Arnica study, for example, where they show that um, when Arnica is applied to a wound or taken internally and applied to the wound, they actually look at two different wounds under microscopes and they're able to see that there is actually a change in the cells, that the cells are essentially getting these macrophages, which are basically, you know, are part of our immune system are going to the site of this, of the wound and healing it at a much faster rate when there's Arnica applied versus no Arnica. Um, so there's, they're able to start showing what is actually happening, you know, where homeopaths have always known something is happening, something amazing is happening. We're watching people get better, um, but they're they're starting to be able to show it scientifically. So I think it'll take a while um, because the whole um, notion that it's placebo has been has been going on for so long with within the scientific community. But I think the research is now starting to catch up. So, Elena, were you able to merge your background in autism with homeopathy? Yes, definitely. So, um, you know, I definitely want to focus on working with children with autism and homeopathy. And I've done a lot of, um, I've studied with a lot of different uh, schools, one of them being the American Medical College of Homeopathy, which I'm finishing some uh, clinical work there as well. But I've also studied with people like um, Ton Janssen, who is uh, part of the International um, College for Human Chemistry. And he has a really unique way, similar to cease therapy, of being able to go in and pull out these toxins that have damaged people. Um, So I think that's a really important thing that needs to be utilized in children with autism, especially if there is a suspected vaccine injury or injury from other things. Um, So I think the ability to be able to remove those and also use classical homeopathy to find that unique remedy that just helps to bring the person back into balance. I think the merging of those two is really beautiful. Um, And for me, you know, I, I definitely, from a science background, I have to see that things work. You know, I need to see that there's evidence of things working, but I'm also a very a person who has always followed my intuition and known deep down inside that there's been this need for me to be a healer coming from probably many, many generations ago. Um, So I've always had that strong need. So it's a, it's a beautiful way for me to see something scientifically, but also merge that joy of healing and that joy of using intuition to, to bring together um, in the homeopathic world. It's just, to me, it's like the best of all worlds. So And you've really merged a lot of worlds. You've merged this very left-brain thinking, rationalistic, scientific way of doing things, and also the creative side of you as well. Um, And you've also studied herbalism, and you create formulas, and um, I can see that there's really passion 
in what you're doing. Tell us a little bit more about what you're passionate about. I have so many passions and not enough hour in the day, hours in the day. <laughs> so things that I'm really passionate about. I love using nature to heal. That That is definitely, you know, I really believe that uh, God created things in nature to heal us. And if we can just figure out how to harness those things and use them, then, you know, the, the human body responds to that so much better than these chemicals that, that we're being introduced to pharmaceutically and in the environment. So I really love um, using nature. So like you say, I, I grow a lot of herbs. I make my own um, different tinctures and different herbal creations. Um, I love, love working with medicinal mushrooms. I use them a lot in my practice. And I also really, as time goes on, I really want to study more about mushrooms in homeopathy because I really think they are so underutilized in homeopathy. And anyone in the herbal, um, the herbal field really knows the power of medicinal mushrooms. And I'm not talking about psychoactive mushrooms for this conversation, but just your, your you know, traditional reishi and cordyceps and shaga and, you know, shiitake, maitake, um, these, 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 these mushrooms have such a unique way of communicating and they're so intuitive in of themselves. You know, if you, if you really look at the mycelium, you know, it's this underground network of roots that basically touches and connects to all these different plants and they have the ability to, to listen to the plant and know that this tree it's touching needs more water and it needs more of this nutrient. And so it goes around its, its little network and finds more water and it finds more nutrients and it diverts that to the tree. So it's essentially like this worldwide web that communicates with all the plant and the fungi kingdom. And it essentially connects everything together. So think about, you know, we use these wonderful matrodonal remedies in homeopathy that have a beautiful way of helping us connect and helping us to just ground and, and reconnect with Mother Earth and with humans. Imagine what we could do with mushrooms. You know, this ability that they have to know intuitively what na natural beings need um, and be able to give it to them. Imagine we start harnessing that in homeopathic remedies, I think would be unbelievable. So it, I think as time goes on, that's probably going to be a big focus of mine is to study more about and create more materia medica on the mushroom kingdom. That's fascinating. So for example, how to use cordyceps in potency and what that would do for the immune system. Exactly. You know, we, we use them and they're so powerful in just the, their, you know, as a food base or as a double extract. And we know that when we take things and, and, and potentize them, how much more powerful they become. So being able to try and learn more about not just what we have used them traditionally for medicinally, but what intuition those mushrooms have, you know? So a great example I love to talk about is cordyceps because cordyceps, um, so in the rainforest, there are um, cordyceps mushrooms. There's a different species of cordyceps for every species of insect that it is that is around, right? And what cordyceps do, they release spores and the insects ingest the spores. And then the cordyceps grows out of this insect. That's how we get traditional cordyceps. Well, the cordyceps mushroom knows if there are too many insects of one particular species overgrowing, and it starts to release more spores to basically control the population of those insects. So think about that. You know, this mushroom knows. <laughs> it just knows. It's there. It's growing. But it somehow knows what the insect population needs to be in balance. 
So, you know, to be able to harness that homeopathically, I think the implications for it are just going to be incredible. So that's something that, you know, just being a mushroom lover, you know, just as plant or as fungi um, and using them as food and using them as medicine, I think to be able to translate that to the homeopathic community would be unbelievable. So I'm excited to kind of start diving into that in the next few years. Amazing. And there are homeopaths that are saying this is the age of the fungi. Um, And we can see that even on the pathologic level where people have more mold infections, uh, mold illness more than ever. Tell us a little bit more. There's a spiritual side of you and the meditative provings and what it is that you've been doing with meditative provings in your community. So I, I just actually started doing this last summer and, you know, it started because um, I have a friend who's a Reiki master and she does these beautiful women's retreats. And she said, I'd love for practitioners to come and and give an offering. And so she's got massage therapists and Reiki practitioners. She goes, why don't you come and give an offering? And I said, well, as a homeopath, there's not, I'm not really sure what to offer in a retreat setting, right? Because I can't just go in and start doing, you know, um, clinical visits and, you know, looking at constitutional prescribing or or even acute care in a setting like that. I said, that's not really fun (laughs) for people who are on a retreat. So I, I started thinking about what I could do. And I've read a lot of meditative provings. And I thought, what about doing what I call a homeopathic meditative journey, where I select a low potency, unique remedy, and I give it to the group. And I have them, I I walk them through a semi-guided meditation. So I'm not taking them through a forest or a river. I don't want to put those images in their head. I want them to be able to just experience what images and sensations come to them. So I, so I basically choose a remedy that I find um, just speaks to me for that particular event. And then um, I give the remedy in a low like 12C potency. And then I walk them through like a 30 to 45 minute meditation. And when we all come back, we just share what, what it is that we've observed or what images we've seen or sensations we've experienced. And the results were pretty incredible. I, I really wasn't prepared for what I was going to find when I did this. So um, for example, I, I did uh, for one of the women's uh, retreats, I did placenta in a 12C. Ooh, was that powerful? So I had so many of the women come back and they were just like, and and I don't tell them what the remedy is at first because I don't want to bias them. So I give the remedy, we talk about it, and they were all just saying how they felt so connected to each other. They felt so relaxed. Um, There was a young girl, teenage girl there that has a severe anxiety. And she says, this is the most relaxed I've probably ever felt in my entire life. And they all felt very connected to feminine energy. So then after everyone's done sharing, I share what the remedy is and what the materia medica and what the essence of the remedy is. And everybody's always just blown away. So I've done placenta. um, I've done Lotus at a couple of events, which was wonderful because a lot of people are going there to these retreats for rebirth and enlightenment. So Lotus is a beautiful remedy for that. And the last one that I did, I had, I think, about 12 people. And um, what was interesting is four of the people shared that during the meditation, they saw a bright white light in their eyes. One of the men said, I actually opened my eyes because I thought you were holding a spotlight on all of us as part of the experience. And there was no light at all in the room. It was a dark shaded room. So four different people experienced this extreme bright light in their eyes where they were almost feeling like they had to cover their eyes. 
Um, and then another five felt this very deep connection to their path and their purpose. So, so it's really interesting how people will do this meditation and then experience the remedy. And then when I tell them what the remedy is and what the essence is, they're all like this, that's what I was feeling, you know? So I think it's just a, a really unique way to introduce people to homeopathy and some of the the healing art behind homeopathy, you know, not just the science behind it and, oh, we're going to heal these ailments. Um, it's, it's about the art behind it and the beauty behind homeopathy. So it's just a great way to introduce people and to do something that's kind of fun and unique um, with homeopathy. And what was the remedy that you had given when these four people had seen the bright light? So that one was Lotus. And then the I did the last one recently. It, I did Lapis Lazuli, right? That just for some reason, was, I was called to do that one. And two, there was only five women there. And two of the five women said they kept seeing these these. Uh, images of Egypt and like the pyramids in Egypt. Well, if you look into the mythology of lapis lazuli, it was used exclusively in Egypt. There's all of these like idols and, and things where they, they really were drawn to lapis and they use it in so many of their ceremonies. It's buried with so many of the pharaohs. You know, Cleopatra used to grind it and put it as her eyeshadow was blue lapis lazuli. So it was just so amazing. You know, when I, when I researched them before these events and and then I hear people talk, it, it just blows my mind how aligned they are with the essence and the, and the history of the, re, of the particular remedy that I'm using. This is incredible. To me, this is a real grassroots way to, to spread homeopathy and bring a kind of a collective healing. You know, you're introducing, but you're also bringing a healing within a group setting. And it's something that a lot of people could do. You could advertise at your local metaphysical bookstore that you're doing a homeopathic group healing and you choose a remedy that is kind of universal in quality like lac maternum or placenta or a gemstone that is likely going to have a positive benefit to everybody in the room. And so you give everybody a palette of the remedy, you sit in a circle, and then you just lead them into a, a meditation that's neutral. Yes, right? exactly. It has to be neutral. So I just focus on, I do play some uh, theta wave music in the background. So it really helps to get them very deep. Um, but I, I don't guide them as far as imagery. I'm just guiding them with deep breaths. I'm saying, you know, go deeper after about 10 minutes. I want you to go even deeper. If you're floating, float higher. If you're sinking, sink lower. If you're, if you're flying, fly higher, you know, so I just try and keep it as neutral as possible. Um, and just trying to kind of work on that deep breathing and going deeper and deeper and deeper, and then slowly bringing them back up to surface again and giving them some time afterwards to journal, write down all the images that they saw. And it's funny because, you know, one of the Lotus readings, um, you know, the, the woman said, I just keep seeing this image of a lotus flower. <laughs> it's so hard for me not to just, you know, tell what the remedy is right then and there because, you know, I'm just giggling the whole time because it's often so aligned with the essence of the remedy. It's really incredible. That is so incredible. And I feel like you're really at the edge of where homeopathy can grow and learn and you're experimenting. And it's been so amazing to hear your journey. And is this something that you plan on continuing? Oh, yes, I love it. So now I, I the first two, I didn't write down what everyone said. And now I've, I realize I need to start writing down what people are saying so I can start a collection of these. 
and maybe at some point write, you know, write them in a book or something um, of all these meditative journeys, because it's just so unique what they're coming up with and how, how it is aligned with the essence. So now I, I'm, I've, I've realized I'm going to start writing down um, what everyone is saying so that I can collect that and share that with the community at some point. And with the girl, for example, who had anxiety and she got placenta and felt more calm than she had ever felt in her life. Do you then give her more pellets of that to take home and say, hey, this could heal you or you can go out and get this remedy? Yeah. So usually I bring um, empty uh, bottles with me and then whoever wants it, I go ahead and give them the, the remedy to take home with them. And I just explain dosing and things to them not to overdo it. But yeah, anyone, oftentimes afterwards they want the remedy. So I usually bring enough bottles where I can make up quickly some of the remedy if they'd like it. This is awesome. I'm going to a women's gathering. I'm teaching at one. I'm teaching homeopathy this spring. And this is exactly what I'll do. Oh, you should do this. Oh, it's so fun. (laughs) It sounds so fun. And it gets us out of our heads. And so here it is that I've seen you just kind of go on this journey from this very rationalistic place to this very spiritualized place. Mm -hmm. And it's really beautiful to hear and witness. So Thank you so much, Elena. Is there anything else you would like to share about your practice, your website, your offerings? No, I mean, you can always look, you know, I have some unique products if anyone wants to look, because I do be, I'm really mindful about trying to just create things that people need and want. So, um, you know, Sola Luna Botanicals is my business, my wellness business. And, um, you know, if you're into mushrooms, I love mushrooms and I want them kind of daily. So I did create a mushroom coffee called BioBrew that you can find on there that it's just a good thing for people to have and just be ingesting these mushrooms because there's so much power in them. And they're just so good at keeping the immune system and the body in balance and, and being those adaptogens. So you can always go and check that out too, if you're if you're into mushroom coffee as well. What a wonderful sharing. Thank you so much, Elena. I'm sure everyone has enjoyed this. You've shared some really uh, amazing things today. Wonderful being here. It's great to talk to you, Angelica. Mm-hmm.